0: The Caring View, bringing you unfiltered conversations from the world of social care and health. Presented by-
1: Me, Mark Toffs.
0: And me, Adam Pennell.
1: Sit back, make your nights, and prepare to be inspired.
0: Powered by carestockroom.com, the care marketplace with everything you need to provide great care, including the kitchen sink. Yes, including the kitchen sink. If you don't believe us, go and check them out.
1: Hello. <laughs> A slight delay there.
0: How are you, Adam? Oh, Mark, I am good. I've got some last-minute like heat hitting me today That is made me slightly giddy. I don't know why. I'm terribly giddy. And I can tell you now, if I see one more person on TikTok showing me what they're having for dinner... Dinner! Dinner! I don't care! I don't care what you're having for dinner. I don't care whether it's onion, potato, whatever. Stop invading my TikTok. Every single person's at him. Breakfast! Oh, stressing me out. I'm not even joking. I go on TikTok to unwind, and I'm faced with that every five seconds. Although they say the algorithm shows you what you want to see. Maybe I'm in denial. Maybe I should start telling people what I'm having for dinner. I don't know. How are you? You weren't here last week.
1: I wasn't. It feels like it was weeks ago that I was here. It was obviously only a week, but it was yeah, no, weeks I went ago. Away. it was weeks ago. No, I went away with the family. So yeah, got to have missed last week's show on recruitment.
0: So I watched it back. There were some amazing tips for providers on there. So it was a great show. Oh, honestly, it was so good last week. It was so, so good. I mean, you know, obviously you weren't there, which helped, no, I'm joking. It, we really did miss you last week, um, only because I know you're so passionate about recruitment and we were getting into the the realms of what should people be paid in social care. And I know you've got quite a strong... Um, Uh, belief on that so it'd have been good to have have you in that in in that discussion but no it was a really good week some really good tips I've had some really good feedback throughout the week from that as well you know people are saying that it's benefited them it's changed the the way that they're thinking and they're looking at new routes so uh, no that was that was um quite good we've still no new prime minister so we're still waiting on that and if I'm honest I'm watching this leadership race in a minute Liz Truss has announced something and then backtracked already so I don't, see th- <laughs> I don't see things going well for her, if I'm honest. And Rishi Sunak is just doing Rishi stuff, isn't he? He doesn't really care what's going on as long as he's wearing big expensive trainers and telling people how much money he can save us all. I mean, he wants to start charging people for not going to the doctors. Now, I know you and I have different views on this, but that's oh, a strong policy to come out with before you're even prime minister, isn't it? He's going to divide the masses quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I- I've I've kind of lost interest in it. I kind of think...
1: None of them were talking about social care and i kind of thought oh, it's the same old but yeah so rishi came out with this 10 pound for a cancellation like if you don't turn up which i personally agree with so i have to pay 55 pound if i don't turn up at the dentist so i'm kind of used to having to pay that fee already because i don't turn up um because work kind of takes over or whatnot i mean if i booked a doctor's appointment though i would 100 percent turn up so it does baffle me why people make appointments. And they had a number of doctors on that were saying that people make these appointments at like 8am in the morning for like an hour down the line or two hours down the line and then don't come in. Well, surely if you've made an appointment an hour beforehand, you should be there and you've yeah. blocked that slot for someone else. So I personally am in favour of charging. But how that would work. It'd be a logistical nightmare. And then what would happen if somebody couldn't afford to
0: pay in bits and pieces? But... And where will the bloody money go? Because it's not yeah. going to go to the NHS. Let's not be daft. It wouldn't in go back like to the care. It can be the new social care levy. Oh, you're winding me up. I, You know, I, you know, I understand. I do get the annoyance of people not showing up to their GP appointments. But I think it's very difficult to deal in absolutes with stuff like that because what if they have a cognitive impairment and they genuinely keep forgetting? And even if they're phoned and gone why aren't you at your doctor's appointment? They go, I didn't know I had one. I'm completely unaware to it. You know, let's say people have anxiety issues or are being pressured into going to the doctors or uh, under abusive relationships where they try and make an appointment but then stop last minute and then can't say why they've not been to the doctors. I mean, there's so many ifs and buts with it that it's a very difficult uh, conversation, a very difficult situation. And one would... One would be, uh, if, well, I would be afraid of putting people in the position where the the say, probably the lowest paid in society anyway, are in a position where they try and make an appointment and are forcibly stopped for some other reason, other than, are then going to get fined for it. I'd hate to put people in the position where they think, oh, if I'm going to go to the doctors and I can't make it, I'm going to lose more money, so they just don't book an appointment. So then there's like that sort of ignorance in health. And it's a very difficult one. I think, I mean, we've had this conversation. I think the system needs a reform. I think the system needs a full change. I don't think just charging the people is the answer. I think health and social care needs a full, complete top-down redo But Yeah, 100% agree. I think when it comes
1: to doctor's appointments, I don't understand why we've kind of dropped off the whole video calling bits and pieces. Why is it now you've got to go back into the surgery when we've had two years, if not, not doing that and it worked well but yeah i completely agree that it does make
0: a whole change i mean saying that i can't remember the last time i was at the gp um i remember i had to like it was like speed dating because i was like had 10 minutes and i was like i've got this 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 and this is like i've saved up my, my of gp visits and it's like no you can only discuss one thing mm-hmm. and it's like oh gross which is most important um other than that anything we should be discussing right now anything major we should be discussing
1: not i can think of no it seems to be in a quiet
0: week for social care
1: really unless there's anything you can think
0: of no there's still a lot of people concerned around ppe obviously we've we've you know we have the heat wave and PPE was um in debates um around then i think for me it really is just trying to make sure that this momentum of social care stays now during the sort of government upheaval we've got summer where I mean everyone who knows what I do my work's incredibly busy all the time but even I can see um semi-officials dropping off now because oh well, it's August it's summer nothing gets done in summer and I'm like oh I'm sorry does care not continue through the summer months what's going on you know I don't have children so it, uh, August is like December is like February to me so it doesn't make a bit of difference but I do worry that we may lose a bit of the momentum. And like you say, Mark, nothing's really spoken about, about health and social care between the leadership race, which for me is worrying. And not that I'm going to vote for either of them um, if they get into post, but it would be nice just to hear one of them talk about health and social care. Um, But you know, that is what it is. You could hear me rant all day long if you wanted to.
1: Well, let's get on with tonight's guest, shall we, and show. So tonight we are talking care home activities, although I am very conscious that care home activities is not just all we need to be discussing activities in home care, so we'll come on to that as well. But tonight we are joined by Hilary Woodhead and Natalie Ravencroft from National Activity Providers Association Napa, Amelia Place, who is the head of lifestyles at Castleford Care, and Caroline Benham from Bright Copper Kettle. Good evening, everybody. How are you? Adam and I were saying before we went on air, it seems so strange having so many people joining at once. So <laughs> I don't know whether it's worth us doing a round-robbing quickly for anybody that doesn't know you. So Hillary, if we come to you, he hello, go? isn't
2: it? Hello, everybody. It's lovely to be back. Actually, I think it's about it's about a year ago that you invited me before, and I had a lovely time. So thank you for having me back. I too have my fan, Adam, have to say, not going very far without this at the moment, so we are fan friends this evening. Um, Yes, I'm Hilary Woodhead. I am the Executive Director of NAPA, the National Activity Providers Association. We are a national charity and membership organisation, and everything we do is in support of care services prioritising wellbeing. So our main focus is around championing the role of activity providers and professionalising the view of activity provision across the care sector. So a little
1: bit about me. Thank you very much. Natalie, on to you.
3: Hello, my name is Natalie Ravenscroft. I'm the wellbeing support manager here at NAPA. Um, I manage all the support services um, that are under NAPA from the support line to the support and share network. Um, And I also um, support an internal advisory group made up of activity providers, also known as the uh, APA group. Um, And they form collaborative approaches and and co-creation towards resources and advice um, around what, what they need within
1: the care sector. Thank you very much. Welcome. Amelia.
4: Hello there, I'm Amelia. I am the Head of Lifestyles at Castleford House Nursing Home, and I'm in charge of um, developing, creating and planning the activities in our care setting.
1: Thank you very much. And last but not least, Caroline, good evening. We may have lost Caroline, I think. She's slightly moving. we'll come back to Caroline when she rejoins us so I wanted to dive straight into tonight's show so there's quite often been a debate about whether there should be an activity coordinator in a care home or not and I think last time you joined us here you very briefly touched on this so Natalie, I'll come to you first because I know that you're championing um, activity coordinators. You want to see it as a professional role. Why is it, is, why is it important to have a care home?
3: I'm sure Hillary's going to smile at this now because she knows exactly what I'm going to say. It's important to have an activity provider, as we call them at NAPA because they have so many titles. Um, it's important to have an activity provider in a care setting for many reasons, and the main one being. Um, they are the individuals that will conduct, guide, support, and organize well-being programs and the structures. And if I can put it into simple terms for you all to visualize, because not everyone works in the care sector that will probably be watching this channel. Um, some people may live in it. Some people may have someone they know in the in, in care service. If you can think of an orchestra, you have a conductor at the front, and that conductor is the individual that will not play an instrument, but they lead everything. And it's similar when it comes to an activity provider. We have many different um, musicians, if you want to look at it that way, within our care services, within our care setting, wherever, wherever that is, who all have a talent and can play a certain part in a beautiful piece of music. And it is the activity provider, in my eyes, that is the conductor of that. And while they might dabble in a bit of music, they certainly are the ones leading that beautiful sound. So that is my answer.
1: Thank you very much. Now, a conductor, like you said, stands at the front and conducts and leads it. In my experience, so many times, the activity coordinator makes the plans and then it's overridden by the manager or by the senior member of staff on that ship. What can we do to stop and prevent that? Do you have any advice for that at all?
3: Yes, of course, we've just written, a, 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 well, just written, we've just co created an absolutely fabulous resource. Uh, I am going to plug it because it has been created by care home leaders um, and, and also activity providers um, with My Home Life England and Napa, members from the APA group, and also um, we had two roundtable um, open workshops for anyone to come along. And we wanted to know about best practice and what works well between. Um, the home manager and the AP, how we can share that. Um, so please do head over to the NAPA website. Um, you can download it for free. It's a fantastic tool. It's got some um, three activities in there that you can do, discussions it can have. It shares some case studies, um, and working. What we found was the best practice that we found in that um, building the co-creation of that resource was where the activity provider was recognized as a vital part of that internal management team. So, you know, you've got your head chef, you've got your front of house in some cases, you have nurses, and then you have your activity provider and your deputy and your manager. And that is kind of an internal management team. And it's them individuals that, that maybe might be the leaders of them teams that need to be reaching, connecting together on a regular basis um, not just your 10 at 10s, but also monthly meetings where you all communicate and you know what's happening. And what we found through the support service, through, through just generally talking um, and, and also that that co-creation was where that is happening, it is it is reaping its rewards tenfold over, you know. And, and it's, at the end of the day, it's for the benefit of the individuals, but it also we found that they retain staff you know, because it's a, it's a great place to work, people listen to each other, they communicate, they're all on the same page. So I think, yeah, I think that's what it's about. It's about communicating, but go and have a look at that resource. Please do download it because, again, it's a fantastic um, piece of information that is a baseline for you to start with.
0: And I must say, I have looked, at, I mean, Steph sent to me, uh, Steph Thompson, um, Associate Director of, of My Home Life sent to me, and it is a really great resource. And you know I mean I just want to say for starters, Napa was a huge inspiration for me when I was a care manager. Um, I was a care manager for like 10 years, maybe 11 years. And I you know, Napa in my home life, like my Bible through that. Like, what are Napa saying? What are Napa doing? What can we do? Is there gonna be a balloon race? Should we put into it? What what can we do now that we can really get ourselves involved? Um, so Hilary, I want to come to yourself. Um, top tips for our for our providers. Let's you know, let's let's, let's run our top tips first part of the show what are your three top tips for care providers on providing good, mm. outstanding activities
2: yeah only three <laughs> i will keep it try to keep it to three so i suppose the first one for me is um be creative be brave but be person-led um, that's got to be the first one. And I think when we're thinking about being person led, it really is about trying to understand and know the people that we support the best we can. And that that isn't a done job six months into supporting somebody. That's something that is ongoing as people's needs change, as we get to know them more and more and we build relationships with them. So I think that's that's the first one um the second one i think is champion the role of the activity provider you know prioritize the support that they need the training they require the resources they require to do this well um, and as natalie said you know that we that essential relationship between the, the care service manager and the activity provider um you know if that's given the time that is required then everybody will um everybody will benefit and i think the third one for me and this is probably Um, Slightly political in terms of where we're at, um, at Napa, but also more generally when we think about activities is focus less on activities and focus more on engagement. Think about individual well being and what that means to the people that you support, but also what that means for the people that provide the service, because I think the idea of activity provision has changed so much over the years. And when we think about having a lead worker, a specialist worker, like an activity provider that's very much focused around a large care home setting. But actually, as we discussed last time I was here, you know, we're thinking about all the different settings where people are living, all the different ways in which we need to prioritise wellbeing. So all the staff need to have the skills to be able to engage people, to be able to en- enable them to live the lives that they choose, which we hope uh, here at Napa and that's our main focus. Our connected lives, creative lives, and content lives. So you know, I think all of those, the, those three top tips, they, 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 they all, they're, they're the essential ingredients, really, for me, um, in terms of uh, upping the ante, as you put it in your email to us, how do we up the ante around activity provision?
0: And can I just say, I mm-hmm. love that you're openly using the term person-led. There's so, you know, I don't mind person centered. You know, person centered's fine. We get it. The person's at the center of the care. Actually, what we want them to do is lead the way. We want them to show us where they want their care to go, what they want their life to look like. So for NAPA, you know, the National Association, uh, National Activity Providers Association to be going, look, Things need to be personalized. I think spot on, and it needs to be integral with with personal care, doesn't it? It doesn't come as an addition. It's not something we can go, oh, we've no one in today to be able to do that
5: yeah and that's the
0: risk isn't it
2: yeah that's the risk when that happens adam is that actually there'll always be something else then that is prioritized if it's not an integral part of care and support if it's not an essential part of the service that we provide it will always become the side salad it will never be on the it will never be part of the main course so it's really really important that we we see it differently and if we think about well-being as an engagement as opposed to activities that really helps us i think with that approach Um, If we have that mindset, the approach will follow.
0: That being said, we are in the presence of someone tonight who has, in my opinion, gone above and beyond with their activities, has really shown how to make activities different, to think outside the activity box. The way I see it is you've got this toy box which everyone keeps dipping into and this person's just gone, actually, no, stuff this. I'm going to go make my own toys. I'm not going to look at the the activity box. I'm obviously talking about myself. No, I'm joking. It is Amelia. So Amelia, we want to hear from you. If you don't mind, while you're talking, I'm going to pull up some of your pictures um, whilst you are talking. But what do you do that's so different?
4: I think... I don't look at activities as, I don't know, like not as an activity, I guess. I think I look at it as more as like their well-being, like their quality of life. And you do get very generic activities in care settings, you know, like bingo, you know, crosswords. And whereas they can be important to some people, for me, I, I'd rather think outside of the box. You know, you're right. I take that toy box and I just tip it upside down. Like this isn't this isn't for me. I want to do something outside of that box. And I think with dementia, and you know, I work with a lot of dementia here. You do get given a lot of barriers, and you know, like oh, you know, they've got dementia. They can't go out in the rain. They can't. They can't go in a hot tub. Like, how can they do this? And I don't agree with that. And my kind of ambition I guess and my aim in in my role is to kind of defy those barriers and make sure that they live the most fullest life I don't see why they should have to come to a nursing home for the end of their life it should be Mm -hmm. to live and I think I try and provide different and innovative activities to kind of fulfill that I guess
0: I, 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 I sorry I thought Mark was coming in so it's my fault that I, I want to know I mean it's incredible and you know we're looking at these and I think it's amazing who does your tattoos I think this is fantastic what tell us about uh, this
4: so I had a lady here she was 96 years old and she said to me the one day she admired the tattoo on my arm that one is real and she wanted her own and when I when she first kind of said it I thought no absolutely not and i thought actually why not like why why am i saying no to this lady for having a tattoo done for what just because people are going to judge me because they're going to think my activities are weird and i obviously you know i couldn't give a real tattoo um i'm not going kind to of up for the abuse case of tattooing elderly people um but tattoos are more than reasonable to do um in this kind of setting and yeah that was that's what they wanted so my activities that are very person-led if somebody came up to me and said I want a tattoo that's what I'm going to do and that would be how I lead my activity
1: one question I have for you um, Amelia I was contacted by somebody recently actually who had taken their residence rollerblading admittedly around well the lounge of their care home okay. um, and the CQC inspector happened to turn up at the same time and it mm-hmm. was basically frowned yes. upon it opened yeah. a safety RD and it's been ongoing um you've obviously taken a lot of risks which i'm all for and we've spoken about it on the show actually people shouldn't be you know penalized because they live in a care home yeah and they can't take a risk and they should be able to do whatever you do and seeing your photo there in the hot tub even on a manager's bridge yesterday there were people asking that they can't have hot tubs because of legionnaires and bits and pieces How do you get around kind of the risk assessment angle? Do you, are you a bit like me, you don't care about the risk assessment, you kind of do it and the risk is there? Yeah,
4: I mean, a lot of my activities are positive risk-taking. I look at the positive outcome of that. um, But I do have a very robust and thorough risk assessment. For the hot tub, it was quite a large one. For the water slide, my risk assessment was 26 pages. Um, which wasn't ideal but at least I knew if CPC did turn up I'm covered and I can say that I've thought of every possible risk and how I'm going to manage that during the activity to prevent my residents from being injured or from coming into any kind of harm during that time and yeah I I do I do care about the risk assessment it's it's very important and you know I'm not I've got a folder full of them but I do look at the positive aspect of the activity to make sure that you know, like even if it's if it's a bit of a risk, you know, why not? Just because what they're elderly, that they've got dementia, they can't take a risk. You know, I'm not really kind of about advocating that. Like, I'd rather be like, you know, somebody come up to me and they're like, you know, square outside in the rain and dance, and like, let's go. You know, why are we why are we sat there? And one of the biggest things that always kind of like used to really hit me i'd go to do a trip and they'd be like well it's raining outside you can't go outside Uh, why why can not i not go outside because it's raining they've got raincoats they've got umbrellas you know they're just because they're they're elderly and they've got dementia they've been in the rain before you know they've been swimming and it was like they're going in the hot tub yeah well why well it one is 38 degrees um it's nice and cool for them and one of the ladies used to go swimming she used to love swimming and why can't i fulfill that like i don't i can't advocate those barriers and I just try to defy them with anything I do.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. I think uh, you look at those people's faces, you know, the lady on the rubber ring there, just says a <laughs> you know, smile on her face, you know. That's
4: my favorite photo. It's just that was a, a just an amazing moment just seeing her come down that waterslide and um yeah she's been a really big part of activities and kind of like helping plan. And she's even inspired a few. We, you know, she's you know she has her hair dyed quite frequently and you know some of the residents call me the wild child and um she's my wild woman you know she just kind of has she matches my energy of activities and how we should kind of go above and beyond and think outside of the box
1: no i have some like you so because somebody's got dementia and lives in the care home should be restricted
0: from living the life that they want so yeah. well done great work there. Adam. me. back to Nick. So I'm hoping we have Caroline back. So we're a triplet of fans tonight. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying the fan club. Oh, do you see the pun? Did you see what I did there? The fan club. Um, but Caroline, you missed the intros. Obviously, internet was being a bit of a gremlin for you. So please let us know who you are, where you're from and, and really some some of your top tips around activity provisions in care homes
5: right hopefully this is working now give me a nod if it's working hey i'm doing off my phone now so hopefully it's a bit better um i'm caroline benham i am the founder of bright copper kettles a cic company um and i have an on it's an online resource basically for activity coordinators so there's entertainers on there there are tips for uh, activities um and a, a great blog um, Amelia wrote a fantastic blog for me recently about her activities. So, yeah, I, I like to pick up on what the good activities coordinators are doing and sharing that so that other people can be inspired by what they're doing. So I think that's really important. Um, and Amelia has really explained so well, you know, about positive risk taking. And I think that's really important. And actually, when we take positive risks, We can reduce risks in other areas. And that's something that we should remember, you know, doing exercises, standing up and walking about something as simple as that. You often hear carers and activity coordinators telling people to sit down because they're worried that they're going to fall over. Well, the longer they sit there, the more their muscles are wasting away, the more likely they are to fall over. So, you know, let's take at least the minimum risks and follow Amelia's example and take more risks is, is what I say. Yeah, again, these people have lived lives. They have gone into care homes for different reasons. You can't say they've all gone into a care home because they can no longer do anything. That is not a fact. The fact is that they've gone in for different reasons, that they need different support, different types of support in different ways. And um, that you know sometimes it's because they want to be they're fiercely independent and they don't want to rely on family and friends, and sometimes it's because family aren't able to give them the support that they want at the times that they want or, or the times that they need that support. So I think you know, we have to remember that they are they are people <laughs> who who have taken risks before. Um somebody said to me the other day actually about um they were going to change something because something that they were looking at, and it was about um, people surfing. It was something that they borrowed from Australia. And it was people surfing. So, of course, they can't use that because people don't go surf. That's not something that people do in this country. Actually, yes, they do. Just because you haven't done it, people do go surfing. And if you speak to a lot of the older people who are living in care homes now, you know some of them are going surfing in their 60s, 70s. And um, just because they've now gone into a care home, doesn't mean that they're not interested in people surfing, even if they're not doing it themselves. And in some instances, there are certain actions that they could replicate that remind them of the, the things that they have done, the risks that they have taken previously. Um, so uh, just a big up really for <laughs> Amelia for setting the right tone there um, for the activities um and i think one of the main things that we need to remember when we're looking at whole home activities is what are we trying to achieve um, for the whole home or what we need to achieve for the individuals so are we looking at reducing the number of falls so we're looking at more active activities or are we looking at socializing better um you know I, i quite often see people going out of their way and saying that we we're, we're going out into the community and we're you know trying to bring that into the care home which is great it's fantastic that they're doing that but they seem to forget that the residents again you know were living their life in the community before they went into the care homes and very often their family members they all know each other simple thing have a coffee morning where care home residents active uh, their families and their friends can come in and they can have a jolly good chat. And, and sometimes you get, daughters will say to their mothers that are in the care homes, um, you know, oh, do you remember so-and-so? This is her daughter. And then she'll realize that actually it's somebody that she knew that was living in the care home. And she didn't even realize that that's who it was. Somebody that she was at school with, perhaps. So, you know, we really need to get to know the individuals through their families as well and not, not cut off the family members and their friends. Um, And actually, sorry if I'm going on, I had a phone call this morning, uh, this afternoon, from a lady who was trying to find another lady who had been moved into a care home. And I've spoken to her before, and she's actually rung me back because she'd lost the number (laughs) for the care home. And basically, the family had moved her friend into the care home, and it was her friend had phoned from the care home to say where she was, but she hadn't got the details to contact her back, and I managed to find the number for her and give it to her um, but it's just a reminder really of trying to help them keep those connections of their friends as well. It's not just family, it's their friends that they've been in regular contact with before they've moved into a residential care so sorry that was <laughs> that was me on a rant really but.
1: No, thank you
2: very much, Hilary. Did you want to come in there? Yeah, can I just—I just wanted to add something about risk taking, which I think is really, really important, and um, it's something that we've spent quite a lot of time thinking about over the last couple of years during during the pandemic and beyond. Is that we are supporting people who are in receipt of care and support with complex care and support needs now and the skills and resources that the staff need to be able to do that creatively are greater than ever before. So whilst we advocate positive risk-taking, absolutely, we also need to bear in mind that many of the people living in older people's care are living with dementia, they're living with moderate to advanced dementia, with impaired communication, et cetera, et cetera, and many of them are in the last year of their life. And they may well have lots of things that they want to to do but I think from the activity providers point of view, from the staff point of view, we need to we, it's, risk assessment is essential, we do need to be thinking about how we keep everybody safe. We want everyone to live a life, they are living a life, they've lived a life, but they're still living a life, but also we need to make sure that staff have the skills to provide those risks. Um, uh, in a way that supports the person that may be living with multiple and complex care and support needs. So I think it's important that we manage that as well. And of course, we're all about about creativity. It's our year of creativity at Napa. But Mm. I do think we really, really need to think about how services have changed. And I know you've done a lot of work around this, Adam and Mark, to support staff in terms of their resilience Um, and to think about what professional development needs staff need to be able to, to support people with far more complex care and support needs than ever before.
0: I think when it comes to risk assessments and managing uh, said risks and making sure everyone's happy and safe, I do think, I mean, I agree with you. There is the onus on the homes. It's the onus on the person receiving the care, their relatives and their families. But I do think there needs to be a seismic shift within the regulator themselves because they are so quick to go, Oh, this is risky. (laughs) You shouldn't be doing that. But then they'd also go, you're doing nothing in your home. So I'm going to rate you down because you're not safe and you're not caring. And it's like, well, oh, come on, you know, double-edged sword here, whatever the word is, or the, the, the parable is of saying, or whatever it is, you know, cut us some slack here. So there has to be a mutual understanding and a mutual respect. I mean, I remember, and I'm one of these people who believes activity, no offence, Napper or anyone else, is a bit of an archaic term. I like occupation, I like meaningful sort of um, presence. I like anything that shows that it is something about them. We had a chap who smoked loved smoking absolutely adored smoking was part of his life made him happy and he fell outside while having a cigarette and bashed his head and the first thing the paramedics said to us when they came here was what was he doing outside smoking um well he was outside and he was smoking well what do you think he was doing outside smoking well, why was he allowed to do that because it's his home it's what he likes to do. We've got a risk assessment in place that says he's completely capable of looking after himself. But accidents happen. Why are we so quick to point the finger of blame? Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. And I think you're right about that's what I was saying about that shift from activities to engagement to well-being. And that is so individual, isn't it? It's so so individual, and it will change over time as well. What makes somebody happy will change over time, won't it? Um, and I think also what we what we're grappling with. As the, the needs of the people that we support are changing, the workforce is changing too. And um, where we have where we have significant workforce issues, we also need to be thinking, don't we, about how we make um, our workforce uh, uh, confident and competent in their practice around risk taking. You know, what are we doing to ensure that they feel that the decisions that they're making are justified? Um so that so that, and that's about working with CQC, working with, you know, in terms of compliance, working together, isn't it, rather than something being imposed on the care sector. Because it doesn't, it shows a lack of understanding of the reality of care, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I, I think listening to Adam talking about the gentleman smoking, I think some of it comes down to members of the public and raising the awareness. I think there's still that stigma, isn't there, around care homes, elderly can't do anything. And I know from my experience of supporting people with learning disabilities, we'd risk assess them, they would have capacity, they'd go out and about on their own. But like Adam said, the second there was an accident or the police were involved, well, why is this person outside on their own? Well, they've got capacity to be out here on their own. Like we're not a prison. But yeah, definitely, definitely some social kind of awareness that we need to do. Natalie, I can see you wanted to come in
3: yeah everything that you wrote that hillary's just said funny enough i don't know whether it's because we work together but i've written it i've written it all down to also say you know about the risks and about where we see good practice we are very aware and i know because we're on the support line and the support service that there are activity providers out there who have never even written a risk assessment they wouldn't even know where to begin you know and where, where we see the good practice mm-hmm. like amelia i absolutely love them images you know myself i've i've gone down a zip wire with an 88 year young gentleman who wanted to fly Um, and you know I've took them positive risk and I hear I speak to a lot of APs on a daily basis who take positive risks too and that's fantastic these individuals were living in their care in their house yesterday peeling potatoes using a microwave and turning a cooker on and and the comparisons between elderly care activities mark and I've worked with um, young adults with additional support needs is is vast you know it's 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 okay for them to go abseiling zip wire you know we encourage that but when people get older into the older care sector we kind of think oh no sit down dear do you want a cup of tea i'll make you let's stick a bit of um white cliffs of dover on you know some people want to rock out to the beatles and to the rolling stones but my main thing that i wanted to come in and say was i just wanted to encompass all that because i totally agree with you Evaluation, evaluation, evaluation and evidence. If you can evidence to CQC or an inspector as to why you're doing something, what are the benefits, what are the aims, how you got to that. You know, I've not sat here and said that that individual I supported, I was just going to take him on the world's biggest zip wire because I just felt like scaring the life out of him. He was an avid bird watcher. He'd been a member of the Wildlife Trust Society for years. He wanted to fly like a bird. He wasn't at the end of his life. He was living in a care set, you know, service. He he was happy. Um, he had capacity to make that decision, but he didn't have the means or or the awareness to go and do that. And and during a social committee meeting, very important, everyone, if you're watching this, make sure you have social committee meetings because they're individually led by the individuals you support. He said, I want to jump out of an aeroplane. Now, because of his heart condition, he couldn't do that. So I looked, Amelia, I'm sure you'd do the same. Caroline, I'm sure you'd recommend the same. I looked at the next best option and that was a zip wire. And, you know, if something had gone wrong, it didn't, thank God. But if something had gone wrong, I was trained in doing risk assessments. My manager supported me. So we went through it all. And then we evaluated it at the end. And that was the most important part. What he got from that was was just, I, I couldn't have written anything better than the comments he made. The, the the feeling he got for weeks after that you know and that was really powerful and Amelia I'm sure that amongst all the praise and the, the giggles and the laughter you must have seen a better um sleeping pattern or you know reduced in anxiety or isolation or food intake all that com- comes into your evaluation so when your inspectors come knocking and they want to know why Amelia's pushed someone down a water slide in a rubber dinghy, or stuck someone in a hot tub because it's thirty eight degrees. Amelia's going to go well. Here's my risk assessment, and it's twenty six pages. Enjoy reading. But also, here's the evaluation afterwards, and this was the benefit. This was the reason we did it. So I just wanted to get that out there that it's not mm-hmm. it's just about the risk assessment, it's about the end
4: product. I think just adding on to that, Natalie. Um, uh, two weeks ago, I went down to our local beach. And I took a lady, and she is quite advanced in her dementia now. And as we got onto the seaside, the beachfront, there was a, a small children's fair, little roller coaster. And she, you know, usually her speech can be quite muddled, and clear as day. I want to go on that, and I'm there like all the risk assessments I've got, I haven't got one for a fairground. So I'm there like I'm like that's oh, fine, you know. She 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 probably won't be able to get on. I'm looking at the logistics of it like no, it's fine. And then. Right, we'll walk back up the road and if she you know kind of says again when we go past the main part not the children's one i want to go on that i'm going to do it so i'm walking up and i'm like right there's a massive 200 foot ferris wheel there's a carousel there's a roller coaster so i rang my manager and i was like right how much trouble am i going to get in if i take a resident on a fairground at the beach and he just said to me and it was so insightful actually Every single thing that you do in life is a risk. Me going on the minibus down to this beach was a risk. You don't know, You mean I could I could walk out of here today and get hit by a car, you don't know what's gonna happen. And you have to take those risks, unfortunately. And we got to this, we got to the open of the fairground and she kind of looked at this carousel and eyes lit up and I thought, I can't say no, I can't say no. And he said, risk set in your head, what is your main risk? Is she safe in the ride? And I thought, well, yeah, she's safe in the ride. I'm trained in first aid. I'm trained in anything that I need to be trained in to be able to pull this off. And she went on the carousel. And I think the, the, one of the photos which um, I sent to you, Adam, was me and this lady on the, the carousel. And it was just um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it says on, oh, you know, she is quite uh, you know, serated in her dementia. And for her to on the way home to keep saying, Can we do it again next week? Can we go about next week? that that risk everything that that kind of stress I had before going on there makes it all worth it it just it gets rid of that because nothing matters that it's safe we pulled it off and a lady who really suffers with her memory has remembered what she did nearly two hours ago and it kept saying how fantastic it was and that's just you you can't get better than that I, I don't think
0: it's like that Maya Angelou I'm it's sure it's Maya it. Angelou who said it wasn't it you know that they may forget what you said but they won't forget how you made them feel and it's it's so true and when it comes down to risk I think everyone I mean Mark and I will know this because we've done a lot of peer support in our, in our times as managers and people go do you have a risk assessment for using a, a recliner chair and I'm like no, I don't. I have a generic risk assessment which you can apply to anything in any situation. And I think when it comes to like yourself, uh, Amelia when you're out doing your ad hoc things, all you need to know in your head is: what is this person's mobility? Are they, um, uh, you know, do they have a condition that's going to make them break easy and, and, and cause any issues? Are the umbilicates? Do I need to be making sure that there's nothing there that's going to cut them? Um, and if you know the answers to all of those backdate your risk assessment when you come home or just message your manager going, I've assessed the risk. It's this, we're going to do it. I'll fill the paperwork and later. We know the people we're supporting. And it's, you know, that's where it comes, isn't it? It's really like you say, person led approaches and and getting to know them as, as, as people. Caroline, I want to come to yourself because obviously um, you've got your little directory on your website of, of entertainers um, around the countries and and what people can utilize within their homes what would you say the most um, frequently sought-after type of entertainment outside entertainment is for care homes? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think we've got Mowgli at it again—the the gremlin trying to. Uh, I just to lost me. you a
5: bit.
0: I was just saying, what do you think? Obviously, you've got your directory of bright copper kettles what do you think the most sought after type of outside entertainment is? So we've got yeah. our in-house entertainment and our in-house activities, which are phenomenal, but it's always good to get someone new in. Um, what are the most sought after types of entertainment that you see?
5: Yeah. I think it comes down again to the activity coordinator and, and how, how much they are prepared to think outside the box yeah you know, it was it mentioned earlier i think it was natalie said about you know sticking on a cd with white cliffs of dover on well that's fine in certain instances and and if that's somebody's favorite song then that's absolutely fine um you you might want to have an activity which is based around world war 2 theme um and have a a tea dance and there's nothing wrong with doing that but also look at having a drag queen in look at having a magician in, ha- look at having um pet therapy um an occupational therapist will come up with different activities for somebody to do as well on an individual basis um but you can have singers singing songs from all all eras different eras my kids always laugh and say i'll be a nightmare when i go into care home because i love songs from the 1930s now people are not going to look at me and say well, you know, she's 80, she must like stuff from, you know, from the 80s. She was born in 1960, she she loves stuff from the 80s. Yes, I do love stuff from the 80s, but I also love stuff from the 60s. I love stuff from the 40s and I love stuff from the 30s and 20s because that's what I've grown up with. Um, I was very close to my grandmother and I was very close. uh, My mother did a a lot of shows, so I love all the musicals as well. Um, So it's very varied what people might like. I suddenly thought of the two that were accused of escaping from a care home to go and see a a rock concert. don't know if you remember that in Germany a couple of years ago. And it just absolutely appalled me that they'd escaped from a care home. No, they hadn't. They'd gone out. (laughs) They decided that they were going to rebel against all the things that were pushed against them, that they couldn't do it. And they damn well proved the fact that they could do it and they would do it. And they enjoyed it. Um, so you know, just think about what that person enjoys, um, and try and bring in some new things as well. I've, my husband and I have been trying new things recently. Seen some really strange acts recently, <laughs> um, but it, it's just good fun. It's it's just good fun. We went to a burlesque show last week, which was funny, um, and we, you know, we went punting on the River Cam yes uh, on Sunday, which we'd never done before. It's just
0: Try anything. Do you know what? you lost them. I'm, no, I'm just in a really <laughs> giddy mood tonight, and I don't know why. I think, I. you know, I'm so glad you mentioned burlesque shows, because when I'm in a car home, and, you know, I will end up in a car home. I, if my partner dies first, which is very unlikely, but let's say he does, first ticket I am booking is to a car home, because I can't live on my own. I'm terrible on my own. I wallow. I don't like the silence. But I am going to want a full on drag burlesque show every Saturday night when I'm in a car home. And I think there's something around understanding what's a taboo and actually what is acceptable now within society and understanding what people want to have. You know, is there any problem in let's say you've got a residential home where the majority of the people who live with you don't have a cognitive impairment? Is there any problem having an Ann Summers party? You know, not to make um, it crude, but a lot of people like that sort of stuff. And as long as we can nurture it in a safe environment, we've got to think what people want and what people need, what what not what we think they need. You know, it's, I can answer that one for
3: you, Adam. I can answer You are that sorry? One for you. I can answer that one for you. So again, this goes back to your social committee meetings or your, your activity hubs or whatever you want to call them but it's separate from my cashmere jumper's been shrunk in the wash residence meetings are separate from your your well-being activity meetings, and and during this activity meeting we always had a section called entertainment and there was one lady that stuck out in my mind and, I, and we was reviewing every month we reviewed the the entertainers and she said why do you think i want cheesy steve why do you think i find that entertaining i'm sick of listening to him you book him every month you know i want a magician so okay, and someone else said, "I well, if she's having a magician, I want comedian." And and it always stuck in my mind that their question was, "Why? What do they? What do we class as entertainment?" Okay, and during this conversation, this lovely lady, who was a very straight aid woman, a churchgoer, never drunk a drop of alcohol in the day in her life, had a you know very straight going, turns around and says, "Well, do you know what I would like?" And I said, "Go on." And she went, "I want a stripper." I want a male stripper. I want a woman's night. I heard one of the staff talking about it, and I've never done it in my life. I don't know what it is about. Can we have one? Of course you can. So obviously we went back to the organisation. We're all about—they were all about inclusivity and being diverse, and um, you know—and and everyone that come to that night, including the staff that joined in with them, they had a ladies' night. And Summers at the beginning, and although he didn't strip fully, um, that it the whole idea was that that was what them individuals wanted to do and quite frankly I'm very confident to this day that she still tells everyone and she still shocks Mm -hmm. everyone when she does and she enjoys that saying I've actually and yeah he he danced around her chair and she was very very pleased with that so I think it is like you say Adam and Caroline totally and utterly about being led by them individuals you know, yes, it's great you can get an entertainer for fifty pounds for an hour, and we all got a budget. But that's us booking that entertainer. You know, I, I I love history. I'm going to want history talkers. I'm not going to want someone singing down a microphone with a, a speaker, which is great, but that isn't entertainment to me. Mm. And I know Hillary want someone performing show tunes, and you know she'd love the theatrical side of things coming in because that'd entertain her. So I think it all it all comes back yeah. down to Adam. All comes back to this person led approach to well being.
1: Thank you very much. And yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, it's person
5: him. first and then think about the barriers and how to overcome them.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing I wanted to discuss tonight, I'm very conscious of time. And then we've got a comment that's come in um, that we'll bring up. I wanted to discuss home care and activities in home care, because obviously it's something that's not really spoken about. I know that when I was managing one of the Bluebird care branches, it was something that was on our standard inspection because it was something we were doing. But do any of you have any tips? And I I can share kind of what we were doing back back in the day. Um, But does anybody have any tips for home care and how they can increase the amount of activities? Hilary, I can see you putting your hand up.
2: Yeah, I think I'm really pleased that you've raised this tonight because I think we, when we think about activity provision, we often do think about care homes, don't we? And we think about whether they're small, medium, or large care homes. But of course, we also know, as I said before, that people are living for longer at home with complex care support before they even go into the care home. And so we need to think a bit more creatively. Um, all of our, I think, out of our three, we've got about three and a half thousand members, and the members of the care setting. Um, historically, about 90% of those members have been care homes, but that's really changing. That's over the last three, four years, we've really seen far more services supporting people with loan disabilities in the community, um, people living, supporting people at home, family carers supporting people at home, also looking for support, resources, and training around how to engage people. And so, I think we need to do. And this is, you know, we've really had is that every provide information and training that actually enables people to prioritize well-being wherever they are and i think you're absolutely right all of those top tips that we shared should be transferable wherever somebody lives whether they're in a care home whether they're you know at the day center whether they're in hospital whether they're living at home and i think one of the things that we perhaps need to get better at particularly you know for us at Napa is supporting those services or people who are supported at home to think creatively to keep those community connections going so that when they do if they do and they may not but when they do or if they do make that transition into a longer term care facility such as a care home but actually those connections are are still established and we're just continuing them we're not kind of restarting them or reintroducing them So I think my top tips would remain, Mark, to be honest, but I think perhaps as service providers, as support providers, we have to think differently. We have to think about what else, what else might some of these services need from us Um, to to continue to think creatively and to engage people. And that may not be an activity provider that's doing that. It might be a family care, it might be the next door neighbor, it might be the guy at the corner shop um, who who has a chat with Bob when he picks his paper up every day. You know, it might not necessarily be employed staff, um, but it could well be home care providers, um, et cetera, as well. So it's thinking, I think we need to start to think differently, don't we? About where people live their lives and and how some of the approaches that we've developed these person-led approaches develop how can we adapt those um to be helpful and appropriate wherever people are
0: and i think there's also something about how do we stop living within our little care plans as well you know so it's like i'm going to use home care for an example so your visits four till five fabulous and during that visit you need to make sure that they've mobilized they've exercised they've had something to eat um and then that you've given them the medication or make sure that they've taken the medication so they're like oh there's nothing we can do really because we've got to get back in time we've got to have dinner and we've got to do this when actually well, why don't you go walk to the local chippy pick something up bring it home you've had your exercise you've got your dinner and then you can do the medication when you get back and that in itself is a variance in their life so it's taken away from the monotony and the sort of the the same old, same old, it's broken from the routine slightly, but it's also given them an activity. It's it's ticked everything off within their care plan in a different way. It's a different approach to doing it. Um, So, yeah, we have had a comment um, come through in um, in the chat, and I'm going to try and read it all, but I have terrible eyesight, so forgive me. Uh, So weight-bearing and resistant exercise activities are so important for old people to keep bone strong and healthy, uh, to help if uh, falls were ever to happen. And I'm always falling over. It's not just the older people. Uh, Amen. Um, Being inactive makes your muscles and bones lose strength. A number of studies have shown that exercise can remodel the brain by prompting the creation of new brain cells and introducing other changes. Uh, And reducing uh, sedentary behavior um, can prove a way to improve brain health especially so true um any tips Amelia that you've got for people to get them up and about moving because obviously you're caring for and supporting for um, a number of people um who have got varying health degrees and, um, and mobility and um, capabilities so what are your top tips for getting moving for everyone i mean still- your um your slip slide whatever it's called had people who were, were hoisted you know who were non yeah. weight-bearing so yeah, yeah I, if everyone was an expert to talk to on this i
4: yeah. think um, exercise wise here we before the pandemic we had two weekly um exercise sessions which unfortunately stopped during the pandemic and where they lost business during covid weren't able to restart them we do have a lady that comes in and she's like a mobility specialist and she works on a drum class using huge exercise balls which gets really good engagement but i think really my kind of advice on getting people up and moving it's got to interest them you know if somebody come up to me and they're like oh we've got a bird show outside i'm petrified of birds. i'd be like get lost i'm not coming with you it needs to be something which is which motivates them, it needs to be something that interests them. you know if i say to one of the ladies who i know for a fact if i said we're going on a trip. You come in. She'd be there. Sun hat on. Let's go at the door. It needs to interest them. It needs to kind of. It needs to motivate them. It needs to be person-centered to them, which makes them want to do it. You need. You know that engagement needs to be focused on their likes and dislikes, and you know. I really like the the comment off Caroline about well, like, you know, like innovative things things like that like you said about pet therapy and I'm a, a massive advocate the noise in the background is actually our therapy bunny um having the zoomies at Papa's past eight at night and you know a lot of a lot of our residents at the moment um if you get the bunny out and she's she's very placid we're very lucky they're up and they want to help look after her they want to feed her they want to interact with her and you know even like the home care side of things I haven't done home care and I can't really comment too much on that because I don't have the experience but anything is an activity. Anything is an activity when you actually think of it. I mean, that could just be like folding the tea towels up or folding the washing up. If that's meaningful to them, that's an activity in itself. And that could it could be anything, doing the washing up, household activities. I mean, we, we quite often get residents to Hoover, you know, grab the Hoover, you know, get, get a cloth, come and help me tidy up over here. Get them involved in day-to-day activities because... Although I like the idea of they live here as and it's a really nice hotel and it's really posh and I do lovely things, I also want it to feel like their home. And if you're like, oh, come on, come at me with this wash and fold it up, or, you know, there's a few dishes, can you help grab them and bring them to the kitchen? They do it because that's what they're used to doing. And I, and, I, and I love the fact that here we're really good at kind of involving people on day-to-day activities, as well as those special events, which is exciting, but also keeping them as part of their routine.
0: I was, I was struggling to find my mute button then I was I was getting a panic on then I was getting a panic on, no I agree with everything you've said um, I agree that uh, with Natalie in, the, in, our, in our little chat who said that you know that we de-skill people and we do and it's about adding worth isn't it to someone's life, it's about adding meaning and if there's no meaning to existence and everything just gets done for us it's nice to go on holiday but by night 11 I'm ready to come home, I want to see my cats I want to put my own washing on, I want to sleep in my own bed, you know it's nice to have things done for us too an extent but we all need that sense of worth and that sense of well-being Um, we are pretty much at time every week this this time absolutely flies but you are all experts and this is a really great conversation so I'm just going to ask for one more tip from everybody so parting words of wisdom we might make this a regular segment on the show because we do do it every week I'll get like a little jingle that comes up for it Uh, parting words of wisdom and I'm going to go around us all so I'm going to start with yourself Hillary.
2: I think for me, and I think this kind of sums up probably all of the conversations is let's move away from this focus on what t- what we're we doing at eleven o'clock <laughs> from activities. Let's move towards thinking about individual, individually led opportunities to improve and enhance wellbeing. That's that's kind of where where I think we're at, where I think the sector's at. I think we've had we've learned a lot. Um we've still got a lot of work to do, but I think that has to be where we're heading now
0: spot on spot on mark
1: i think my tip is something that can be used in care homes but something for for home care providers is for the people you're supporting in their care plans have a five golden moments so a list of five things that that person wants to achieve before they pass away and actually support them with it utilize the skills of your staff team you know put them up in in the office in the care home and actually get staff utilize facebook groups like hillary touched on earlier utilize local members of public who have got those networks in you know like amelia said earlier no no goal should be unachievable for somebody we should always be looking at the next best thing
0: i i like those tips mark i really do um caroline
5: yeah i think to use the links that the people bring in with them to the care homes so people who have belonged to different groups previously or may still belong to those groups, is it possible for those groups to actually hold a meeting within the care home so that that person can still attend easily and feel involved? Um, But also, you know, links to the local library if somebody used to work there, um, anything that they've done in the past that, that is involved in the community where they can actually retain those links, just use them.
0: Yeah, and I think as as society advances and as we get, um, and I say advances and I don't mean that in a detrimental way, but as the, the the I call it the juiciness, the diversity of our communities, which is our greatest strength in this country, as they start to fill our places of care and where people are being supported and we do get these diverse backgrounds. So these all white, all farmer, all World War II uh, veteran homes start to, get diluted with our um, our Windrush generations and our elderly LGBT generations. It's great to bring their generations and their sort of communities in and, and sort of like a show and tell, let's educate everyone from within as well. You know, let's share who we are, what makes us us within these homes. I love that tip, Caroline. I really, really do. Um, Amelia.
4: I just wanted to say that I loved um Mark's point there about the, the kind of five golden things they want to do. We implemented a wish tree here, which is every resident had a wish of something they'd either it could be anything they've either wanted to do or they've never done or they want to do again. And that was kind of how we started like a really person-centered activity kind of like ethos, I guess, of they chose the activity. It was solely centered around them. Um so that you know, that would be advice for anyone kind of like in activities kind of sector of how to kind of start with person-centred activities um my kind of top tip would be it sounds strange but to be impulsive um to be spontaneous because i think you have so many unpredictable situations in you know care settings where you can't you can't always plan for things and if that means that i come into work at nine o'clock and at ten o'clock i'm on the bus down to barry island so be it that's that's what i'm going to do and you know the spontaneous aspect of it is if you say to somebody on the Monday that, you know, they've got dementia, we're going to go to the beach so it comes a Thursday and they're like, you know, what beach, what, you know, where are we going to? I don't want to do that. Whereas on the day, you're like, do you want to go to the beach today? Make it really exciting. And they're like, yeah, that sounds amazing. And I think I'm very impulsive. And I say, I'm going to do an idea on the Friday and on Monday, I've done it. It's planned, it's risk assessed and I've done it. And I sometimes think that's the best way to be because you you kind of keep that excitement flowing with, the activities and i know it is you know really important to kind of like orientate them to time and things that happen in the world and you know like valentine's day mother's day things like that But i think you also need that element of excitement to just keep them stimulated
0: oh actually, you know, i'm just going to save the last five minutes of this show and send it out to anyone who who runs a care service because these tips are absolutely phenomenal and um, last but not least natalie
3: Gosh, how do I follow all them great top tips? I mean, they were amazing. It sounds like you've covered it all, but so let me take a different approach. I'm gonna speak directly to the APs that are out there and ask you to come and connect, okay? It's It's a difficult role, I've done it. I worked right throughout the pandemic as an activity provider. I wore many caps and got many badges. And if I can give you anything advice wise, after all this amazing top tips, It would be to connect to other activity providers out there that are struggling, that are doing great practice, that have creative and innovative ideas and approaches that can sometimes just say one word and it clicks and you think, oh, God, why didn't I think of that? You are not alone. This job is hard enough as it is. So I'm going to put a little plug again. Please do come to NAPA's Support and Share Network, which meets on the third Monday of every month at two o'clock online. It's free. It's confidential. You will get we have theme topics. You pick them topics. We're just there to support and guide you. Okay. And use the NAPA support service as well. Um, if you need anything. So I just thank you very much. in training, I, I I've got to keep going back to training, Adam and Mark. You know, I've connecting is one thing, but you can't do something to achieve what Amelia is achieving, which is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. You need to have some awareness training and support by your managers and there are resources there available so give us a shout it's a plug but it's a it's a it's a val- valued plug
1: thank you very much and yeah i completely agree with natalie network and make sure that time is in your diary and we all know what it's like working in social care there's always something that props up but make sure that time is dialized and protected because it's so easy just to cancel the meeting and say i need to do this or and coming to work or they're off sick or whatever so make sure you take that time for you because actually that's going to be part of your professional and personal growth adam you've got to follow all these amazing top tips before you close us out what would be your top tip
0: oh i'm going to be really boring and i'm going to say if activities feel like a chore you're doing it wrong they need to be fun they need to be effortless you need to have that culture in place You know, you've got to have everyone on board. I mean, we did Pirates Days, we had Casino Nights, you know, we had all sorts while we were doing um, our activities. And I will say some people found it a chore because they didn't want to get involved and understand the need for it, where actually... We shouldn't be thinking, oh, we must get this done because laundry needs to be done before the night team comes on. No, night team, no, we're having a really good day. Night team can come in early and help, or we can just look at how this activity goes and run it across both shifts. I remember some nights I was up till midnight watching opera with the ladies on our second bottle of Chardonnay because that's what we did. You know, They didn't go to bed till one in the morning, so why not watch opera with Chardonnay and then get up at 12 o'clock the following day? You know, it's about making sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. And if it feels like a chore, you're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean give up. It doesn't mean stop. It just means have a look at your approach and figure out why it's not working. Ask the people you're supporting. Is it the stuff they want to do? Ask your teams why they're not enjoying it. And then just figure it out because you will figure it out together. As a team, you will all figure it out. So a boring one, but culture will stop activities feeling like a chore. Oh, I'm closing the show, aren't I? I'm done. I was like sitting back there waiting for like another conversation. I mean, this has been fantastic. I've absolutely loved it. A pleasure to, to meet you, Caroline and Amelia and Natalie. and Wonderful um, to have you back, uh, Hilary. Uh, Bright Copper Kettles, Castleford House, Napa. Please do go check them out the links are all in our comments we will update our uh, descriptions for the video and for our podcast and um, tomorrow so you can access all of that stuff there but it's been an absolute pleasure to talk activities tonight um next week we're on a bit more of a serious topic so i promise i will not be giddy next week um i've quite enjoyed having a good chuckle tonight <laughs> um but we are on um cst therapy i think next week mark are on we cognitive stimulation therapy
1: we are indeed. I very quickly loaded the spreadsheet because I thought you were going
0: to a it like you normally do as I not, like, oh, but it is CST Adventure next week. I usually just go, so Mark, what are we doing in three weeks' time? And he's like, <laughs> I'll have a look, i have a look. Uh, so yes, please do make sure that you do join us next week. As always, live from 7.30 on uh, YouTube. You will be able to catch up with the rest of our shows um, on uh, podcast and on YouTube. And we will be having some exclusive interviews coming soon to our podcasting site as well. So do to uh, you know, look out for those. Uh, until then, thank you all so much. I'm sorry we've kept you longer than usual. Have a good evening, and we will see you all soon
1: thank you for listening to the caring view you can find us on youtube facebook twitter linkedin as well as various podcasting sites please don't forget to subscribe like and share to become part of the conversation